Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. But before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Cheyenne Fletcher. Cheyenne, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, AJ? I am doing just fine and dandy. It is November, and that means uh, I think they're starting Valentine's Day uh, in the uh, supermarkets and uh, department stores because we're like, what, seven holidays ahead? Is that how it works? It's something like that. I did notice that they were selling Christmas stuff like the day Halloween ended. <laughs> that day. Ah, good times, good times. Nothing like the uh, machine of commercialism moving on. But uh, anyway, Cheyenne, thank you for joining me in the hot seat. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and, uh, you know, just whatever the deets are. Yeah, my name's Cheyenne Fletcher. I live in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm married to my beautiful wife of Amanda of 19 years. I have a 14-year-old son, Miles, and a 9-year-old daughter, Geneva. And me and a buddy have a trivia company here. We've got about 15 venues here in Tulsa, and we're trying to uh, spread out. We spread out to Oklahoma City and Salt Lake and trying to get as far out as we can. Sounds great. Would it be comparable with, like, you know, Geek Ball or Quizzo or, you know, what kind of thing? Yeah, it's pub trivia, team trivia most nights. We also do a pretty fun thing that's buzzer trivia where everybody's on their own and they've got buzzers kind of like Quiz Bowl used to be, and it's one question at a time, and whoever gets it, without any help of their friends, gets $1. And we give out like $75. I, I wish you a lot of luck with that. And uh, feel free to give us the uh, website and uh, information about that uh, at the end of the show. How our show works, as always, as usual, there's going to be four rounds of four questions each. In each round, I'll let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for that round. Before I read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus for 10 points at the end of the game. You'll get to field what we call the confidence question, your last chance to improve your final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there until we take our first little steps on our journey uh, from uh, Oklahoma all the way to the coast and following the Grapes of Wrath or some sort of other Jode reference there. Uh, Are you ready, Cheyenne? Uh, Yeah, I guess I am. Here are the categories that we're going to be using for round one. As always, the point values available to you are one, three, five, and seven. We're going to kick things off with pop goes the blank. Move along to around the world. Follow it up with literature. And we're going to wrap up round one with wiggle room, our numbers category. But first things first, pop goes the blank, one, three, five, or seven. Yeah, I've always told myself, no matter what the category is, I'm just starting with one. So I can get a feel for it. Fair enough. One point. Hopefully we'll ease into success uh, and then uh, build momentum from there and snowball down the hill. Pop goes the blank. Here is your question. Good luck. Complete the following commonly misheard lyric with the correct word. Well, she was blinded by the light, revved up like a blank. Oh, my goodness. Does this even sound remotely familiar to you? Yes. I'm getting two different lines messed up. Messed up like a man. This is that Manford man or something. I don't think that's right, but I'm getting it so confused in my head. Um, I'm just going to guess something like like a runner in the night. Like a runner in the night is <sighs> your answer. Uh, you are correct. This is the uh, Manfred Mann song. I had to chuckle when your first uh, reaction after hearing the lyric was, man. I was like, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Manfred Mann, a song blinded by the light. So this is a very commonly misheard lyric, uh, a monde green, if you will. Uh, a lot of people hear blinded by the light. Uh, some people don't hear revved up. They think it's wrapped up, but uh, it is revved up. And uh, a lot of people think it's revved up like a douche. Right. I could not get that. But it is not. Yeah, not revved up like a douche. It is revved up like a deuce. D-E-U-C-E. I believe we're referring to uh, a little deuce coupe kind of thing there. And the next line is another runner in the night. So you were all around it. Yeah. And I, the first thing I thought was deuce, but then I could not get it back in my head, that part of the song. 
Oh, all right. Well, yeah, the question itself was not worth a deuce. It was only worth uh, a, a single. So <laughs> one point, not the end of the world that you miss it. Uh, all right. You know, we're warming up. We're warming up. Ease into this. The next category around the world, three, five, or seven. Uh, let's go with the seven. Is he on tilt? <laughs> let's find out. Here is your seven point around the world question. Good luck. Soft tennis, a game played all over Asia using rubber balls and a lighter racket than tennis itself, was developed in what country? Soft tennis with a lighter ball. All right, so Manfred Demand wrapped up like a deuce. Deuce is probably the tie-in to tennis, maybe. So that's not going to help me. Uh, sounds a little bit like badminton of sorts which I know is like big in Indonesia. So I'll go Indonesia. Indonesia is your answer. Yeah, it's weird. I was looking for a tie into tennis uh, after hearing Deuce and just stumbled across this very, very popular sport called soft tennis. Uh, It's, yeah, it uses like one of those little punch balls that you used to play handball with back in the day. A lighter racket, so there's more control. There's a lot of more mixed doubles play and Asia is wild about this. They have huge tournaments uh, every year, very popular all over China and all over Korea and certainly uh, into the uh, Indochina Peninsula there. But uh, it was invented and popularized when a Western missionary kind of introduced tennis itself to this country uh, and didn't really have all the equipment that he needed and kind of uh, used what was on hand. And suddenly, all of Japan was raving about soft tennis. This is oh, Japan. All right. No connection to uh, the uh, Daiei SoftBank uh, baseball team. <laughs> Not going so well at the top here, but uh, two questions still left. We still have plenty of points for remaining in this round, plenty of rounds remaining. Uh, you have the three, and you have the five, and you have literature. Yeah. Neither of these are really in my ballpark. Uh Let's go three for literature. Three points for literature. Good luck. And here is your question. A crane used to lower and raise actors to simulate flight was a standard part of productions of many Greek tragedies of the 4th and 5th centuries BC. By what name do we know this device today? Wow. Oh, this is a rough start, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> There have been rougher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, man, I can't get a tie-in. I'm trying to think of a crane. I don't know. A boom, I guess, will be my final answer. Looking for a boom, which, uh, of course, is used uh, today uh, pretty much as a microphone uh, situation where they have this long stick and they hang it over the actors and... In many uh, many a blooper or even uh, finished products, you see where suddenly the boom will drop into the shot, <laughs> and you can realize that yeah, oh boy, that kills the illusion of the of uh, the movie. But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm asking for the name of this device. This was actually at the time of uh, these Greek tragedies and the productions was a physical device, but over time it became kind of synonymous with the actual literary device of which it. Uh, describes a lot of the plays of Aeschylus and Euripides use this device. It is quite literally a machine that they use to introduce godlike characters. God from the machine, Deus ex machina. <sighs> yeah, I would never. I <laughs> I'm fine missing that. <laughs> Have you at least heard of Deus ex machina? Uh, yeah, like, I think there was a movie and maybe, like, a video game with those names, but that's about it. Sure, yeah, yeah, it's uh, basically, it, it's, it's, now it's kind of refers to any time that, uh, you know, the characters are in major peril and all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, uh, miraculously, suddenly someone shows up, it's pretty much every, uh, every penultimate episode of Game of Thrones is, is pretty, oh, and here comes the army to save the day. And, oh, well, here comes the dragon to save the day. Like, uh, just comes out of nowhere. It's a deus ex machina ending. Well, now I know. 
All right. One question left in this round. It is going to be worth five points to you if you get it right. I hope you get it right. It is our wiggle room question, which means, yeah, we're throwing a, a dart at a, a, a board and trying to guess the number. But, you know, there's got to be a little bit of randomness in here as well. I hope you can get this right. Here is your wiggle room question. While there is no single list of Greek gods and goddesses that is considered to be official, according to GreekMythology.com, there is an official number of major and minor deities as recognized by the powers that be in Greece. How many total major and minor deities are recognized as official Greek gods and goddesses? Oh, yeah, this is just throwing a dart, isn't it? Um, you know, you've got the 12, you know, on Mount Olympus. And then I think there's two that kind of get thrown in there. So that's 14. But then I think that there's like... Just like loads more. Uh, you said major and minor. Major and minor, yes. And deities, like gods. We're not talking about like heroes. At least don't count. Yeah. Okay. No heroes. No creatures. Uh, no titans. We're talking basically the Olympians, the recognized mini majors, the recognized minors, and things like uh, the Fates, Graces, Muses, and Arenes. All right. How about like the half and halves, you know, like an Achilles? Isn't he like a, what do they call them? Demigod or something? Demigods, uh, if they are officially listed as uh, <laughs> demigods. This website goes through everyone and classifies it and says, no, that one doesn't count. That one doesn't count. That is, that's only worshipped in, uh, you know, uh, they, got, they got the list. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... Yeah, this is just, uh, so you said like the fates and the furies, there's, uh, we'll go with uh, 250. I have a feeling it's way higher than that. It's going to be something crazy like 3,000, but. 250 is your answer. So yeah, there are probably uh, thousands upon thousands of these gods that aren't officially recognized because they only really exist in one or two uh, areas or they're like so localized like uh you know there's the the the, the city of Rhodes and their 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 god is Rhodesy you know like <laughs> that doesn't count you know they just have local gods uh these are the the ones like you said there are 12 olympians and there are a few that uh, kind of move in and out i think is some sort of relegation system <laughs> there on mount olympus <laughs> as well um, there are three members of the Arenes, Fates, and Graces. There are nine muses. There are 52 recognized mini-major gods. And there are 66 minor gods. Add them all up. And we're looking at 148. So with the wiggle room of 10% in either direction, uh, 134 through 162. You overshot, actually, by just a little bit. Yeah, I'm not all right. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, one of the one of the gods is uh, is Clotho, who of course is the uh, one who measures the threads yeah. of, of human life. Uh, which you know, we had just been talking in the last one about uh, playwright Euripides. Reminds me of one of my least favorite jokes that the uh, the tailor, you know, Euripides, you you bought him. Anyway, fates, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, Clotho. Uh, oh, God. Atropos, Clotho, and Lesethi, uh, oh, I, I, I think. I think so. Yeah. There was a Piers Anthony novel or something that had those in there. Uh, incarnations of Immortality. But anyway, no points in round one. But you know what? You're not the first to uh, get the zero. And uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be more categories as we move along that are more in your wheelhouse. But how are you feeling? Let me check in with Cheyenne. How is Cheyenne doing? I'm doing all right, you know. Uh, I I kind of expected this, uh, you know, just having fun and learning. <laughs> we try to educate as well as entertain, absolutely. We're going to move on to round two. Point value is available to you. Increase to two, four, six, and eight, and hopefully your point total will also increase with a few right answers. But anyway, here are the categories we're going to use in round two. We're going to kick things off with who done it. Follow it up with music. Move along to history, and we're going to wrap up the first half in round two with that happened. First up is who done it? Two, four, six, or eight? Um, yeah. Once again, maybe I don't have any categories I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think we just might be backloaded this episode. I do do some sort of a random draw to come up with the order, and uh, I think you might have just pulled a short straw or something. Yeah. But that just means they're going to be worth more points later on, so hey. Yeah, let's go with four. Four points for who done it. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit of a description of a famous person, and you have to just simply tell me who done it. Here we go. An autism advocate. She is known both for inventing the squeeze machine as well as creating a more humane abattoir for livestock. Wow. A s- squeegee? Is that what you said? I said squeeze machine. Squeeze machine. Let's go. What did we have last time? You mentioned Clotho on your own. Okay. Uh, the Greek gods and goddesses. What was it? 148. Wow. Who done it? Yeah, I don't even know what avatar means. Um, that's a super fancy word. <laughs> you know, the oh, uh, autism ad... Ooh, squeeze machine. I had just one guess that I could throw out. And then I... Man, I, I think I'm going to mess this name up, but I'm going to give it a try. The only thing I can think of is uh, Temple Grandin... Maybe I remember the first name of Temple. It starts with a G. Grandin, I think. All right, we're gonna go with that. Uh, yeah, that's all. I, I the only other thing I was thinking of is maybe like the uh, Jenny McCarthy with the vaccination stuff that causes autism. But <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with Temple, and uh, yeah, we'll lock it in. All right, locking in Temple Grandin, as you said. <laughs> So I find this, uh, I found this very uh, kind of ironic uh, in the fact that this person invented something called the squeeze machine, which uh, sounds, sounds like something that would crush the life out of something. But it's actually a, it also known as the hug box. It's actually a, a device used to help uh, autistic people or people with some sort of social anxiety disorders to feel more comfortable in the surroundings and, and give like a, a, a comforting kind of uh, situation there. Uh, at the same time, uh, she was a, an advocate for uh, not having uh, livestock uh, go through a horrific procedure uh, of death when they go through an abattoir. Uh, abattoir is, of course, a, a killing machine, the rotating knives. Uh, <laughs> and so you know, just the, the juxtaposition of the squeeze machine being something nice, uh, and yet the uh, it, it sounds like something you'd use in an abattoir to <laughs> squeeze them through or something and grind the meat. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, this was a person whose life story was done on HBO. Uh, it uh, was very well received. It allowed Claire Danes to win yet another Emmy for her portrayal of Temple Grandin. Four points for you. Well done, sir. Oof. All right. I was I'm hoping done. you were going to talk yourself out of it. I'm out. <laughs> Cheyenne has left the building, folks. <laughs> he hits it. He hits the Tristan, and he leaves. No, no, we have to keep going. Keep going. Well done, sir. Well done. Have a little more confidence, right? Yeah. All right. Music is up next. Let's keep this momentum going here. You have two. You have six. You have eight. But um, like I am so hit or miss on music. Like I've got my wheelhouses, and I have got my black black holes. So we'll go six. All right. Six points on music. Good luck. Here we go. Isabella Summers may not be hated by Zach De La Roca, but she is one of the two founding members of what group? The lead singer of Rage was Zach De La Roca. Like, I only know Tom Morello is in Rage. Um, is there another? Uh, I have no I'm trying to think of uh, if he had it. He did some stuff with Moby and uh, Saul Williams, but... Yeah, I'm going to have to just go with Rage Against the Machine. Maybe it's something with the machine. Maybe it's a Rage Against the Machine that is the abattoir. So I'm trying to get a connection. So yeah, I'll go with the Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine is your answer. So Zach De La Roca is indeed uh, involved with Rage Against the Machine. And so his rage is against the machine. Uh, Isabella Summers may be hated by Zach De La Roca because uh, her nickname is The Machine, uh, and she is one of the two founding members, uh, along with Florence Welch, of the fine group that sings Dog Days Are Over. Florence, 
and the machine. Oh. I bet you did not know that uh, the machine was actually a person. I did not. I should have thought that more. Yeah. Wow. In fact, Florence uh, herself used to be called Florence the Robot, and uh, Isabella was Issa the Machine. Uh, But when they first uh, started touring, Florence the Robot and Issa the Machine was a little bit too long, so they just kind of shortened it. uh, But uh, yeah, Isabella Summers writes uh, and produces a good portion of uh, the songs there. The dog days are over. I have heard of them. I have never heard a song by them, though. Ah. That, that, like I said, indie rock, I think, is where that falls, which is Black Hole. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, uh, hopefully your Black Hole does not uh, extend out to history. For History is Up Next, we have the High Low remaining, the two and the eight. Yeah, I kind of feel like both of these categories are history. (laughs) I've got history, and that happened. Well, that happened is more of the uh, current events slash weird news. Ah, all right, let's go. History's not my strong. Let's go two on history. All right, two points for history. Good luck. Here is your two-point history question. The fight for Malaysian independence was far from a sprint, lasting from 1948 through 1960. By what name was this conflict known? On the side of the gorillas. Oh, it was far from a sprint. Um, 1948 to 1960, Malaysian independence. Hopefully this does not tie into any Florence and the Machine song or something like that. Um, let's, I really, I have, I don't think I've ever even heard this. Um, so I'm just trying to tie it into something I've already seen or pick up on some clues. Sprint. Far from a sprint, so maybe. But like, would they use? You said it was from the gorilla side. That is correct. I don't know. Maybe like uh, the marathon conflict. I don't know. That is my final answer. The marathon conflict certainly picking up on the fact that I said far from a sprint, which will uh, key you into perhaps that I'm looking for uh, a. It's a clue. Let's put it that way. It's a clue. Yeah. So you are on the right page with that. The United Kingdom, uh, who is the other uh, side of this conflict, uh, they called it simply the Malayan Emergency. <laughs> so British. Um, the Chinese were kind of pretty much uh, involved in fighting on the side of the uh, Malay people, uh, fighting for independence there. Uh, we had just come from Florence and the Machine. I sang a little bit of The Dog Days Are Over. Uh, we were looking for the War of the Running Dogs. All right. Yeah. I don't know. You shouldn't feel bad about that. I could have gone and read some books and not come up with that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have one question left in the first half. However, it is the highest scoring question of the half because it is going to be worth eight points to you should you get it right. It is that happened. Uh, are you ready to find out what this uh, question is, sir? Not particularly, but I guess, yeah. We'll... Too late! <laughs> Silence! All right, you running dog. All right, here is your eight-point question in that happened. In May of this year, an Iowa man called 911 about his pet dog named Blue. What was the emergency he was calling about? Oh, Iowa man called about his pet dog Blue. Wow. There's no, like, I can't, I, I didn't hear about this. And I don't, I don't know it for sure. I'm just going to say that maybe Blue ran away since it was running dog. I don't know. Like, I really, I don't know why somebody would call. And it seems like it's a stupid thing, something like that. <laughs> um, so we'll just go with, he ran away. He ran away. Yeah, that habit category, like I said, is it's usually current events or perhaps some weird news that kind of uh, became viral for some sort of weird reason. And uh, kind of, you know, if you if you happen to catch the video or Twitter storm about it, uh, it kind of became a thing. So in May of this year, this Iowa man uh, called nine one one. He said, "There's an emergency. It involves my dog Baloo. What's your emergency, sir? Well, it turns out." Baloo shot the man with his own nine millimeter. <laughs> oh, you know what? I kind of now think I heard that. Now that you say it, I kind of remember that. 
Yeah, he kind of jumped into his lap. Uh, for some reason, he was sitting down with his dog, playing with his dog uh, on the couch with uh, his gun holstered, and the dog not only uh, turned off the safety, but then proceeded to uh, pull the trigger and uh, nail him in the leg. And, of course, the guy blamed his stupid dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the dog's fault. <laughs> You're sitting in your house with a gun in your lap. Oh, man. Anyway, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four points for you. You are uh, no longer sitting on a goose egg, so it will not hatch into a, presumably a goose. Uh, <laughs> four points as we head to halftime. Here's how this is going to work. Uh, I am going to ask you a question. It is our only partial credit question of the game. After I read you the question, I will send us to break where we will hear from our sponsors. Okay, I don't have any sponsors, but if I had sponsors, this would be the point where we would pause and you would hear from our sponsors. Again, don't have any sponsors, so It'll just be a little dee 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 and then we'll be back. So don't worry about all that. The point is, I'm going to ask you the question. You're going to try to answer it. Here is the question. Are you ready, sir? Yeah. I, yep. Let's do it. Author Rick Rorden has had a lot of success with his book series featuring 12-year-old Percy Jackson. For two points each, Cheyenne, I'd like you to name for me each of the five titles in the Percy Jackson book series. Think about that for just a second, and we'll be back to hear your answers after the break. Are you beating my guest, or is my guest beating you? Tell us all about it on Twitter or Gmail at BMGPod. If you like what you're hearing, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron at patrons.podbean.com slash beatmyguest. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Cheyenne Fletcher. When we last left Cheyenne, he was sitting on four points. Working on the following halftime bonus question, author Rick Reardon has had a lot of success with his book series featuring 12-year-old Percy Jackson. For two points each, I have asked Cheyenne to name for me all five of those titles of the series. Uh, Cheyenne, I hope you're familiar with it, at least somewhat. You know, I am familiar with it, and I have seen the first movie. So, yeah, I've got one, The Lightning Thief. I'm pretty sure about that. And then we're just going to throw out. Like, I should know that second one because it, they made a movie out of it, and I've seen it. <laughs> uh that i don't know we'll guess like a sea of storms that sounds way george r, r. martin doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> lightning thief sea of storms uh let's go with the battle of hades the i don't know i'll just have to pass them the last two i can't even come up with clever ideas i really wish i think it has monsters in its name or something I just, I'm not going to be able to come up with it. Okay. Okay. You know, it's uh, a lot of times I give uh, the halftime bonus question and it's like, you know, name five of eight or, you know, a little more wiggle room, (laughs) as it were. Uh, Not so much here, but uh, honestly, I would have been able to get two simply because of the movies. I did not know the names of the other three. Uh, but you know what? Uh, these are not questions that I have to know the answers to. I try to, uh, you know, just because it's in my wheelhouse uh, doesn't mean that it's going to be in your wheelhouse. And so this not being in my wheelhouse, perhaps it is in the wheelhouse uh, of someone out there who is laughing at us right now saying, I knew all five, you foolish people. So uh, yeah, the first book in the series, uh, all of them, of course, Percy Jackson and I'm giving you that. Uh, right. The Lightning Thief, definitely, uh, is the first book in the series. So two points for you there. Well done. Ding you ding. said The Sea of Storms. Later on, you came back and you said maybe one of them had monsters in it. Sea if you had put those two ideas together, <laughs> The Sea of Monsters. Yeah. Oh, all right. Number three in the series is The Titan's Curse. The fourth one in the series, once again... It is the battle, not of Hades, however, more, uh, think, Minotaur. It is the battle of the Labyrinth. And the final book in the series, The Last Olympian. Oh, I knew that, too. I've seen that. I could have feasibly, on my best day, gotten three of them. (laughs) But... But alas, tis not your best day. But still, uh, you did not get zero. You were not skunked entirely. Uh, 
you uh, made like a lightning thief and stole two points here. So we're going to add the two to the four you had coming in, which brings you to six. Not quite double digits, but we are on our way. I'm sensing a turnaround in the second half. I hope you're feeling just as confident as I am. Uh, are you? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call it confidence. <laughs> there we go. Confidence. Huzzah. Uh, yes. Uh, round three. Point values are going to stay the same at two, four, six, and eight. However, the categories, they're going to change. And this is what they're going to change, too. We're going to kick things off with television. Move along to movies. Follow it up with analogies. And we're going to wrap up round three with science. First up is television. Two, four, six, or eight. You know, I'm, uh, once again, I think it's like a music thing. I've got my strong suits and I've got some black holes, but we will give it a six. <laughs> I, had a, I was wondering where that was going to end there because I've, I've had contestants go two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it almost did something like that. <laughs> All right, six points for television. Good luck. And here we go. Gordon, James, and Percy. Gordon, James, and Percy are three of the main sidekicks who travel alongside the title character of what children's program? I'm assuming that Percy is just a tie-in from Percy Jackson, sidekick of a TV show. Three of the main sidekicks, so there's a whole bunch of other side kicks or at least more than three i would assume i need to apparently watch more of my children's television shows <laughs> uh even though i feel like they're maybe past this travel feels like it's in there for a reason and i don't okay i i have no clue travel feels like it's there but i so I kind of want to go with like my first thought was like Carmen San Diego or something, but then like I've seen Dora the Explorer so many times, I don't remember these names, but it's the only thing that kind of fits. There's boots and that backpack. There's no Gordon James or Percy, unless there's some little aunt. You know, let's just go with Dora the Explorer. Yeah, that. Uh, I know I'm going to know the show if it's not that, which I don't think it is. Dora the Explorer is your answer. I'm the map. 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 Oh, my God. Kill me now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Kids television. Uh, most of it. Not not very enjoyable. Uh, this show is not Dora the Explorer. Uh, this is a show you were very wise to key into travel as uh, perhaps a clue there. This is a show all about characters who are anthropomorphized trains. Oh, Percy. Yes. Emily. Sodor. The Isle of Sodor, Sir oh. Topham Hat. We are talking Thomas the Tank Engine. I will accept Thomas the Tank Engine, Thomas and Friends, and even Shining Time Station, which was some sort of compilation of uh, snippets of the best of uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. So uh, that is your answer here. Awful television. I mean, I saw an episode once. I forget which train it was. Maybe it was Reneus. Maybe it was <laughs> James or Percy. I don't know. One of the trains refused to go out in the rain because he had just gotten painted and did not want to ruin his uh, nice new coat. Uh, so he stopped in a tunnel and they said, please come out. And he said, no. And so they walled him up and left him there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I... Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I have seen so many yeah wow it's been quite a while though i just remember the emily emerald emily i think percy was green too i'm glad that phase uh went through my son very very quickly and we're gonna quickly move on to movies here uh you have a two you have a four you have an eight how much for movies well uh let's go let's throw the eight on there eight i'm pulling for you sir yeah here <laughs> <laughs> Here is your eight-point movies question. What is the name of the Tilda Swinton film in which all of the remaining human population of Earth lives on a train powered by perpetual motion? Oh, wow. Train, perpetual motion. 
that's obvious our connection. I I don't even really know how to talk this. I can only think of one movie that this could possibly be. I know who Tilda Swinton is, barely. Um, I don't know why I put an eight on movies. It's apparently not my thing. But there was a crazy movie I saw called Snowpiercer. Um, that's all on a train. Like, the whole movie's on a train. So I'm going to have to go with that. I can't remember if she was in that, though. I feel like Clive Owen was in it or something. I'm trying to think if there's any other movie I can think of that had... Yeah, let's just go with Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is your answer. Tilda Swinton is uh, a very pale, <laughs> gaunt lady. Uh, she was in the Chronicles of Narnia uh, as the White Witch, uh, and amongst other roles, of course. Uh, and uh, this film is takes place in a post-apocalyptic society where uh, climate change and global warming uh, has really screwed things up and now everything outside of this train is like hundreds of degrees below zero so nothing can live all the humans are living on this train going around in a circle uh, with the uh, rich snooty people in the front and the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's down in uh, steerage uh, (laughs) hoping not to get thrown overboard this film features Ed Harris. It features Chris Evans. It features Billy Elliot himself, Jamie Bell. And it is called Snowpiercer. Eight points for you. Well done. So Clive Owen, I guess, was not in it. but <laughs> Clive Owen in uh, Children of Men. Yeah. Really good film, but not this one. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy movie. Have not seen it, but I've heard good things. Uh on my list. Uh, and, and of course, uh, it, it no longer has to be on your list because you got it right. Eight points. Well done. Uh, we're going to move right along to analogies and stay on track here. Ha <laughs> ha. Stay on track. Two or four points. Let's go two. These are so who knows. All right. Good luck. Here is your two-point analogies question. King's Cross is to reading as Liverpool Street is to what? Okay. Uh, first, King's Cross to reading. I was thinking it's got to be some Harry Potter thing. Nine and three quarters, I believe, is a King's Cross. But, and this, I mean, this is going to end up just being like a shot in the dark. Let me think about it a little bit. But I'm assuming you're talking about King's Cross is part of the underground or whatever. And it's that. It's relation to reading railroad, which is the first railroad on Monopoly. Man, I got to just say that since that's the first railroad and it would be a shot in the dark, like there's no reason to like connect Liverpool Street. Oh, unless, no, no, no. I was thinking for a second that maybe it's all based in Liverpool, like it is Atlantic City here, but King's Cross is definitely London. So I will quit my ramblings, and this is going to – I always get confused of what the first Monopoly one is. Those first two are Baltic and Mediterranean. I am going to guess King's Cross is to reading as Liverpool Street is to – Mediterranean Ave. All right. Very good. Uh, I see what you did there. Uh, I was very specific to say reading and not reading because that would have completely thrown you in the wrong direction, I'm sure, Uh, thinking about uh, British cities or something like that. Uh, King's Cross Station is a property on the UK Monopoly Board, uh, which corresponds to Reading Railroad. Unfortunately, sir... Liverpool Street is not a property. It is also UK Monopoly Railroad. All of the stations uh, in Monopoly uh, correspond to a partner on the US Monopoly board. So you would still be guessing one out of three here uh, if you had uh, gone railroad. Short line is the one we are looking for here. Liverpool Street is a short line. The other two, uh, Pennsylvania... Uh, translates to Marylebone, and B&O uh, corresponds with Fenchurch Street. Uh, short uh, line is what we were looking for. Yeah. Would have been a guess, but it would have been a gettable guess, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I 
I mean, I I know that Monopoly board pretty well. I those first two properties ones I get confused though. Um, yeah, they're the purples. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let us put that in the past. Uh, try not to run into a wall because you know magic's not real. Anyway, uh, science is up next. We have four points left on the board, so let's go with a four-point science question. Here it is, sir. Perpetual motion machines are believed to be impossible due to what feature of the laws of thermodynamics which describe a tendency towards disorder? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I have come to realize that I went to school for at one point for uh, mathematics and chemical engineering and have like forgotten everything. Like it's amazing. <laughs> Like learned league math questions are getting harder for me <laughs> as I get further. It's, I I think it's definitely something that you need to practice with, man. And thermo was one of my favorite classes. And disorder, the only thing I can relate to it would be entropy. I was really hoping you were going to go something with friction or something to cause uh, perpetual motion machines not to work. But I'm going to go with entropy. Entropy is your answer. Well, certainly uh, friction is something that uh, is part of the reason why uh, perpetual motion machines don't work because friction takes up energy and slows the system down. Uh, That is something that uh, can cause these machines to fail. But we are not looking at friction in the laws of thermodynamics, uh, at least not in terms of tendency towards disorder. That is a very sciencey word that we are looking for here. It is a seven-letter sciencey word. It begins with the letter E, and it is entropy. All right. Well done. Nice poll. Four points for you. Huzzah! Not only did you make it to double digits, you made it to double digits in that round. Two questions right. 12 points out of a possible 20. We're going to add that to the six you had into the round, which means a much more healthy 18 points as we head into round four, which, as you all know, is our highest scoring round of the game. The point values available to you are three, five, seven, and nine. And here are the categories we're going to be using for this final round. We're going to kick things off with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. Followed up with what comes next. Move along to mashup. And we're going to wrap up round four and the second half with sports. Audio hodgepodge is up first, though. How much would you like to wager? Three, five, seven, or nine? Once again, like this one's tough. Um, my uh, business partner on the trivia thing is always doing those musical mashups, and I'm awful at them. Let's go with um, let's just go with three on audio hodgepodge. All right, fair enough. Three points on audio hodgepodge. Good luck to you, sir. And here's how this is going to work. I am going to ask you a question. When I am done asking you the question, I'm going to play you a clip. And when you are done listening to the clip, hopefully. No, really, hopefully you're going to be able to come up with the correct answer to this question. What is the name of the podcast from which this clip comes from? The clip itself is an example of the show's title. So let me let me let me sort of unpack that. Yes, please do. All right. So the universe as we expand is cooling. Right. The entropy is increasing. This is the disorder in the universe. Correct. All right. And so so. You can ask if you have disorder. How do you have if disorder is increasing? How do you ever have order? You get disorder if there's no source of energy pumping into the system. Gotcha. It's that simple. Wow. Um, well, AJ, if you had said it's podcasts, that would have completely changed the bet. What I would have put because <laughs> I am subscribed to probably two hundred and fifty podcasts. I listen Including to, this one, right? Oh, uh, 100%. <laughs> and I'm also subscribed to StarTalk, which I am pretty sure that was. So StarTalk is your answer. It was a lovely description of uh, the definition of entropy. For those of you who heard the last question and said, I still don't know what you're talking about. Uh, done by the uh, wonderful Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson and his co-host Chuck Nice name of the podcast and uh what he was doing there was talking about stars which is the part of energy that gets put into the system star talk is correct if you said star talk radio i'll give it to you as well star talk radio is what he does when he's on radio but star talk is the answer three points well done yeah yeah podcasts i'm pretty good at guessing (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. It was my favorite murder. No. <laughs> Good job. Three points for you there. Let's let's keep two in a row. Wow. Uh, yeah. Stop the presses. Uh, I'm sorry. The show is over. No. <laughs> what comes next is up next. I must ask you first. What comes next in terms of your wager? Five, seven, or nine? Uh, you know, let's just throw the five on there. All right, five as we climb the ladder slowly. Good luck. What comes next? Heart of Dixie, 2011. Gossip Girl, 2007. Chuck, 2007. What? 2003. I know that all of these things exist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, and I know that they're all TV shows. I have a feeling that the rest of this uh, thinking out process here is uh, going to be an example of entropy as we tend towards disorder. <laughs> I believe it might be. All right. So let's see if we could tie this from Star Talk. Gossip Girl, I think, was the one with Zoe de Chanel. Chuck was the one with that. Uh, but okay. Or, okay, Neil deGrasse Tyson, would he have gone on any shows? Why? 2007, back to back there, kind of um, how somebody, a guest appearance of somebody maybe? Yeah, I did not watch TV really in 2003. Wow, trying to go back to that. Um, that's after Seinfeld and like Friends had ended, I think, just a little bit before that. I really have nothing to really go on. I'm thinking it's probably like a guest appearance by somebody, or it could be like, like none of those shows are going to be like the highest watched when they ended or something like that. And I don't think it's going to be like who wrote them or produced them. I think 2003 is kind of still when Frasier was on maybe. So I'll just go Frasier. I don't know. All right. Frasier is your answer. Uh, early on in your thought process, you thought perhaps Gossip Girl was uh, Zoe Deschanel. That was New Girl, oh. uh, not, not Gossip Girl, but uh, neither here nor there. I was uh, spinning off from the previous question. Uh, I had mentioned that uh, Dr. Tyson's co-host was Chuck Nice. Uh, there's a TV show called Chuck. That's kind of the spinoff from the previous question. So the, you were going to actually... Uh, glean anything from that uh unless of course you thought all these shows were nice i mean that might have helped you uh, <laughs> so you are absolutely 100 percent incorrect when you're not going to have uh an executive producer involved with all these shows for in fact that is exactly what this is these are all shows that lasted more than one season from executive producer josh schwartz uh they also all happen to have had rachel bilson appear on them at some point uh, Heart of Dixie, she was the star. Gossip Girl, uh, she appeared in the finale uncredited uh, as a little cameo. Uh, she was on Chuck for a little bit. Uh, and, of course, she got her start in Josh Schwartz's first uh, big hit, The O.C. Yeah, you know what? I'm cool with that. If I miss an OC question, you know what? I'm giving myself points. Fair enough. Uh, Josh Schwartz did have a couple of shows in the middle there, uh, but they only lasted one season. Cult. And the Carrie Diaries, which was a uh, prequel to Sex in the City and a really bad idea. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, let's see what Carrie was like as a child. Uh, no, no, <laughs> just no. Anywho, uh, you did not get that one. Uh, Frasier. Frasier's a good show. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't fault you mentioning it. Uh, but we're going to move along to Mashup. Mash! Mash was a good show. Um, up up was Mash. a movie. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Mashup, you have the seven, you have the nine. What say ye? Let's just keep. Climbing up, and let's go seven. All right, seven points for the mashup. Here is your seven-point mashup question. After her character Marissa dies in a car crash, this actress moves into the Hotel Earl, one room over from John Goodman. Wow. Yeah, these are either like you, you know, you need to try to find a half, and maybe it can lean you to the other half. And then there's the option of knowing both halves, and then it's really easy and then there's the option I'm in of knowing neither of the halves. That will make it more difficult, yes. Yeah, way harder. Marissa died in a car wreck. John Goodman in a hotel or Hotel Earl. 
man, why couldn't it be something about my name is Earl? I could maybe get some of that. <laughs> the only like hotel scene or anything I can think of with John Goodman is I feel like they were maybe like in a hotel in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, there's no way to tie O into something unless it's like Wendy O. Wow. I feel like I've heard it from something. I just can't place it. Um, wow. Lots of ums and wows coming right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Goodman, I'm like, I'm drawing a blank a little bit on what he's been in. I'm only thinking of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and Treme and like Roseanne and the Babe. <laughs> like, uh, let's just go with Wendy, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Wendy, oh brother, where art thou? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You could not have been further from the correct <laughs> answer here. And yet, at the same time, so very close. It's fascinating to me. Oh brother, where art thou, of course, is a movie directed by the Coen brothers. And uh, the reference to the Hotel Earl and being one remover from John Goodman is from a different Coen Brothers film. It is the one starring John Turturro as a writer. It is called Barton Fink. And uh, Marissa, a character on the OC, was played for many years until her demise by an actress by the name of Misha Barton. So we were looking for Misha Barton Fink. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've never seen Barton Fink. Like I told you, I would not. Like, once again, I'm fine with not getting OC question right. So, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, you know, Misha Barton was also in The Sixth Sense. She was the uh, pukey ghost uh, who scared uh, Haley Joel Osment in The Tent, one of her first roles. Yeah, I, I think I can picture the face of the actress. But yeah, and I need to see Barton Fink. That's on me. Yeah, very good film. I, I think a uh, little spoiler alert for anyone who's a fan of The Hamster Factor that might be coming up at some point in the future. Uh, it's Very good film. I agree. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Well, okay, it was there, but it's no longer here. We're going to move on to sports. I actually considered uh, spinning off from John Goodman into a Babe Ruth question, but I uh, changed my mind at the last minute, so that's not going to help you there. But this is going to be worth nine points. Are you ready, sir? Uh, sure. Yeah, we'll call it that. <laughs> All right. Here is your nine-point sports question. Diego Maradona scored a goal in the 1986 World Cup that has uh, hence been dubbed the Hand of God. Against what country did this infamous tally occur? If you wanted to, you could have stopped at what is this goal called, and that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I take it you're familiar with the Hand of God goal. A hundred percent. Wow. Okay, so 86 was... Like, I've got a couple different things going in my head, but at first I was thinking Uruguay, but I don't... Like, that was after their big heyday, quite a bit after. Um, soccer's not a huge... Like, I, 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 love, I love soccer. I love watching soccer. It's just nothing I've ever gone down rabbit holes with and really, like gotten into big time but for some reason i want to say that i feel like it was they're playing the host country during that and i think it might have been brazil and i might be completely off on that as well but i'm just gonna say brazil all right brazil is your answer uh, the 1986 world cup was actually held in mexico uh, okay, so that's they, right. they were the host country. This was a goal that uh, is infamous because it was the ball kind of went into the penalty box and uh, Maradona stuck his hand in the air near his head. And so the referee saw that the ball hit his head where, in fact, he kind of punched it into the net. There was no video replay at that time. And so the goal counted uh, after the game. He said, uh, yes, uh, scored the goal partially with the head of Maradona and partially with the hand of God. And so suddenly it was called the hand of God. A lot of people think that was the only goal in the game or that was the game-winning goal. Uh, and although it was the difference-making goal, he actually uh, later in that same half scored on what is called the goal of the century, uh, one of the most amazing uh, individual efforts where he pretty much just ran all around every defender on the field uh, to put his team ahead 2 nothing. Gary Lineker... Uh, would eventually score a goal late to make it 2-1. to one. But England 
could not come back to uh, tie this game and send it to extra time. England is the answer. Well, yeah. Ouch. One of the most famous goals in uh, soccer history. And, yeah. uh, and it just goes to show that we don't really pay attention to details. <laughs> no kidding. But you're not alone. I'm sure a lot of people missed that one as well. Uh, you did not miss all the questions of that round, however. You were able to come up with three points. We're going to add that to the 18 you had coming into the round, which means you're at a pretty healthy 21 points as we head into the confidence question. Here's how that's going to work. Uh, the confidence question is your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category. You must, must. Wager between one and ten points. Get it right. And I will add it to your score. But, oh, oh, Cheyenne, if you get it wrong, not only will you lose those precious points, but you are going to be forced to watch on a perpetual loop nothing but Thomas and friends over and over and over again with no chance of entropy saving you from your fate. But I ask you, sir, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in a category that I am calling Ex Machina? Wow. All right. So my first thing when I, I wrote down 10 because I'm always just like, just go for it. Like, this is fun. I have nothing to lose. But I also have the opportunity to get this right by going two. And ending on 23. So I will go two points. Two points. Bailing on the points don't matter philosophy and going with the lost numbers are cool philosophy. I I highly endorse both plans. Fine by me. Good luck. Here is your two-point confidence question in category I'm calling Ex Machina. In 2018, for the fourth time, Mitsuku won the Loebner Prize, a competition that has been held annually since 1991, where contestants are scored on their answers to questions like, who said I have a dream? And do you know how to make toast? What trait is required of all potential contenders for this crown? Wow. Um, okay. Um, what trait do all of them have? Mitsuku doesn't necessarily have to be, it's, it's a single mononymous, which maybe makes it robot or something, not a person. I really, what trait do they have? I will, um, it's won four times in 2018. I will say that it's uh, like a, the robotic or non-human. I don't know what trait that would be. Sure, we'll go with the robots. I can't get my head around this question at all so you're gonna go with robots sure i'll go with robots yes okay so the uh the lobner prize is not entirely uh looked upon with a lot of respect uh in the scientific community because it's it's kind of plays a little loosey-goosey with science and uh so uh they're a little upset with the simplicity of this which is essentially uh where uh People can submit uh, an entry into the competition to uh, answer such wonderful questions as the one I gave, or perhaps uh, uh, what's your favorite movie, or did you know I have a six-foot-tall ghost, or just random questions that are asked of these contestants who then must answer alongside a human who answers the same questions and in true Turing test fashion, the judges have to guess which one is the human, which one is the chatbot or artificial intelligence, which is the correct answer. Artificial intelligence chatbot. You said non-human. You said robot. I'm going to give it to you. It's a non-living uh, entity of sentience or perhaps perceived sentience. You got the gist of it. Uh, you weren't lost at all. In fact... By not being lost, you are lost because you'll get the two points and move to 23 points. Well done. All right. Well, thank you. That was fun. Absolutely. It was fun on my end as well. Uh, Before I let you go, sir, uh, why don't you uh, once again give everybody the uh, places that they can find your uh, trivia company and uh, anything else you'd want to plug or say or espouse upon or, you know, before entropy kicks in and we all die a harsh, cold death alone in the universe. 
Yeah, so I guess I did forget to mention at the beginning. Yeah, Questionable Company is our company name. We have a Facebook page. There's also Questionable Company Utah because we just got into Salt Lake City, which is another Facebook page. We're working on the website. And you can also get a hold of us at questionableco at gmail.com. And uh, we're just really right now trying to do a big expansion, you know. So anybody who wants to host or find a place for us, man, we would love to uh, work with you. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. We have those leagues and it's five nights a week. Be sure to check that out, folks. And, uh, well, uh, Cheyenne, uh, you may now leave the hot seat. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week. Until then, take care, and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest, or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter, at BMGPod, or email us, bmgpod at gmail.com. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you liked what you heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production.